to the Christmas special of the Please Be Seated podcast. Today I'm joined by several guests, um, three of which are with me now, maybe more later on, um, to review Nativity. So can you all, one at a time, introduce yourselves? <laughs> I'll go first because I'm the lady. I am. <laughs> My name is Liz Whitaker and I'm from Mean Girls Minute. Jonathan, you next. Oh, thanks, Brad. Next, I'm Jonathan, and I'm the most, I have the most feminine energy, so I'm second. I'm Jonathan Howell, and I am from Minute Impossible. We makes me the manly one? Yeah. Okay. Well, the sliding scale. Congratulations. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Apparently, Until we're grading else on a curve. <laughs> hey, everybody. This is Brad Mendenhall from the Cosmic Geppetto Podcast, and also Flash Gordon Minute, where we talked about the 1980 classic Flash Gordon one minute at a time. Uh, but again, I'm also Cosmic, uh, the host and co-founder of Cosmic Geppetto Podcast, which had the podcasting prodigy Luke Allen on recently, and he did an amazing job. So I'm so glad to return the favor. Thank you. So am I right to believe that none of you have seen this or not even aware of this film beforehand? Or were any of you aware or seen? Until you anything? came on Mean Girls Minute, I had no idea this existed. No, nope, me neither. I, not only did I not know that it didn't exist, I didn't know it existed. It had three sequels. <laughs> yeah. uh, I was like, what? what it's is like this? the Christmas Bay or the uh, Griswolds of uh, the UK. Definitely. Um, I haven't. I meant to see the fourth one in the cinema this week, but I just didn't get around to it. None of the original cast are in it, which annoys me a bit, because Mr. Poppy's always in every other film, but it's his brother in the next one, so I, I don't know why they've changed that but I don't have high hopes for it but they've got a few <laughs> British comedy stars in it Ruth Jones from Gavin and Stacey and um, Hugh Dennis from Outnumbered and Mock the Week and other shows I don't think you probably get in the States there was an American version of Gavin and Stacey so I, 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 there's some familiarity there's probably an above average amount of people who have seen the original it's sort of like the Office, where Office was a very popular show, and because everyone knew of the British version, they would go back and. And there was only like what, 13 episodes of the original Office, so it's not like, it's not like it's a huge undertaking to watch it. So, so there's there's some familiarity, and there were some faces in this uh, in this movie that I recognized. It's like, <gasps> she was mean in Harry Potter. Oh, <laughs> oh that's yeah, a nice here- lady from Ugly Betty. <laughs> Yeah, here, here in the UK, we have a very small amount of <laughs> stars, it appears. Um, yeah, a lot of people are in a lot of things, which is quite nice. I hadn't seen it um, since I quite got into a lot of comedy. So for me, re-watching it this year, um, I was I was surprised as, oh, I saw this film years ago, but I didn't realise it was that person, it was that person. So that was quite exciting. Um, added a new twist to it. Yeah, I went through. I, w- I was just, you know, trolling through the IMDb, basically, just like, who? Why do I know half of these people? And I was surprised by. I mean, we'll get to her, but the uh, the principal is from Matilda, and it's one of my kids' favorite movies, and she's unrecognizable in this movie because it's her real face as to who she is in Matilda. So I was just like, oh, my, I was like, oh, look at all these people. It was it was a it was a nice it was a nice change. And um, it it's really interesting how most of the film is improvised, which I find. Oh, really I, I have lots of notes about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Well, and I want to see if anyone else had this. It, this movie gave me such a weird waiting for Guffman feel. Um, it, it's almost like waiting for Guffman, except for not everything doesn't turn out as horrible for everybody. But the the plot line, the improvised feel, it, it, and just waiting for someone from Hollywood, um, it was so similar to that movie. And uh, it, it did give me sort of a, oh, this is waiting for Guffman if you're actually rooting for everyone to turn out okay. Yeah, uh, I, th- I think I have a little PTSD because when I, I, I went to film school, and we did a lot of movies, and they were all on shoestring budgets, and so the script is usually the thing that got left behind, and it would just be like, just do something. We'll just kind of work it out on film. And so a few scenes, you're kind of, I was kind of like, eh, eh, eh. I was like, just someone needs to write this out because there was no one was pushing it forward. The, 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 I'm not going to bash on this movie because it's very cute, and the, the children are adorable. But some of the the older actors are not I, – I wouldn't consider them strong improvisers. I'm sure they were told, look, your entire point of this scene is you need to make sure that Paul, you know, doesn't do this or Mr. Poppy needs to do this. And so it was it was a lot of uh, – I mean, Mr. Poppy's funny. Uh, Mark mm-hmm. Wooten, he's a funny guy. Liz, I think you said that he grew on you. Yeah, well, I was – instantly drawn to him because his very first scene he's got a backpack with that's just covered in pins and so kindred spirit and maybe that's why i found him a bit grating at the beginning because uh i think mr poppy might be me (laughs) (laughs) and i don't know if i would like to meet myself in person just like why do i hate you so much on the mirror the thing with mr poppy for me is he was a charming actor, and he obviously there was nothing mean about him. But I'm just watching, like, this guy is dangerous. Oh, we'll get, get to that part, yeah. <laughs> he endangers two children later in the movie, but yeah. Yes, uh, caveat, uh, asterisk, I would not do that. Mr. Oh, Poppy okay. is me with a, a slightly fewer uh, life With, with fewer dead kids in your background? <laughs> I was this loudy with should be. Unaccompanied minors. Um, so as a start of the film to sort of go through it mildly chronologically, we get introduced to our main characters. Paul is a teacher, and so is Gordon, and Jennifer is a producer, and obviously we see a little bit of them in a show. Um, well, Paul, Paul's not a teacher for at first, he's a no. a failed actor. But act, uh, people who can't act teach primary. That's what yeah. I learned. Cute line. I didn't know if that like is, is that a, is that a thing that anyone's ever said because they seem to say it as a common thing. If you can't act, teach. If you can't teach, well, teach there, there's there's a there's a state there is an expression. If you can't if you can't do teach, so it's not specific to acting. Uh, and I, the the primary was definitely an, uh, an added uh, caveat just to 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 dig the knife in. But yeah. Uh, I actually went to uh, – true story. I went to school to become a teacher, and that is a, an expression that just raised the hackles of any teacher because, uh, you know, the, the, the implication is, is like if you, you wanted to become an artist or you want to become a writer or you want to do something, and, but you're not quite good enough, so you'll just teach other kids. Ignoring the fact that teaching in and of itself is uh, a very powerful skill and a very important job and something that people have an affinity for. I don't necessarily because I didn't become a teacher, but I 
But that's a horse of a different color. But yeah, that that is a that's just a nasty little expression said by a nasty little man in this movie. And it's supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be, you know, it's supposed to be, you know, he's at the, you know, he's desperate. I mean, his life in five years from now, the the push forward once uh, his girlfriend has gone to America to become a producer, and his uh, ex best friend or whatever. I don't. I guess he wasn't his best friend, but ex, you know, acting buddy Shakespeare. Uh, you know, once they're gone and doing all their supposed successful stuff, he's supposed to be miserable. So putting him in a job that ma- makes him miserable. I, I don't want to teach primary. I guess primary is elementary. What we call elementary is primary, right? Yeah. How? Uh, yeah. How different does this primary school seem to come off to your idea of elementary school? They've exactly. got a creative exactly. writing class, so uh, okay. it seems advanced. Yeah, but everything's <laughs> made out of cinder blocks, so I was just like, I, yes, I, I actually have itself. a note about cinder blocks. I was like, this is like every school in America. So, what? Well, the thing that struck me is they keep talking about it keeps being implied this is such a terrible school and this is a school where winners don't go and I'm just like that's weird right these kids are wonderful they're all polite. kids are wonderful they're all dressed nice they're not like particularly unruly kids if if this was if this movie had been done in America first off it'd be an inner city school there you would hear gunfire at some point during the movie in one of the classrooms. I, th- I think it was. I took it more as these kids are expected to be mediocre for their entire lives. Yes, they are clean and they are completely dressed and not disrupting the class more than you might expect a, an elementary age child to do. But they are also not overachievers and their parents work, you know, middle class jobs. These are middle class kids who are from Coventry, which as it's portrayed in the movie, I assume has some sort of people from Coventry aren't expected to rise to the top. Um, my dad's from Coventry, but maybe. <laughs> I, I, I don't. I don't know. I just that that's my perception yeah. from that. That's what the movie was trying to tell me, and that you know these kids weren't going to have terrible, awful lives, but they were also not going to reach the pinnacle, and that's why the fact that you know Jennifer left to be. Uh, producer is so exciting for everyone because it's not a place where people get out and go achieve their dreams. Yeah, what's go... the... I'm sorry, go on. No, you're fine. I, was, no, I just... find it interesting that they chose a lesser-known lesser place of England because it could be so easy to make it a London school or even Birmingham, but Coventry, you know, it's not like the most well-known areas of England, which I think is It's It's not a terrible stuff. place. It's just a place where... People are going to go to school. They're going to marry someone they met in their high school. They're going to stick around. They're going to do a, a job there. It's going to be a job, not a career. It's not going to fulfill their passions. And they're going to have an okay life. But I think we're going to I think we're going to um, compare this to Waiting for Guffman a lot. And it, just as we go along, I mean, is there a joke uh, that I, that we don't understand, Luke, uh, just based on where location wise? Because uh, Waiting for Guffman takes place in Blaine, Missouri, and to the rest, it is shorthand. It's a fictional town. It's not real, but to us, that's shorthand for middle of nowhere, middle of nothing. These people are hicks who think who who might have big aspirations, but you're like they're never gonna. That's never gonna happen. Is that is that kind of what they're going with with this with Coventry? 
this I'm, shorthand I'm in not, the movie? I'm not sure. I think it might literally be, or at least in my mind, it just made it feel more real and more raw. Um, I, I should say now, I have never seen and completely unaware of Waiting for Guffman, so this is... This is different. You should definitely watch it. Uh, it's uh, for all he, for, for for all your listeners that haven't listened to it, Waiting for Guzman. Uh, it's a mockumentary made by Christopher Guest from uh, Spinal Tap, married to Jamie Lee Curtis, uh, <laughs> and he uh, he did a bunch of these type of movies where it's he and his um, friends from basically improv. Uh, um, Eugene Levy, Catherine O'Hara, uh, what Fred Willard, Parker Posey. They all do these different movies, uh, and it's uh, Waiting for Guffman is about a small town in Missouri where they do a play. They're waiting on this famous person named Guffman who's going to come and uh, review their show, basically what this movie's about. It's, so it's yeah, it's that's... very similar, and it's all improv. I think there must definitely be a, a, a connection there. I was completely unaware, so this is quite... Interesting. So then we've got, we find out that Paul is doing the nativity play, and we meet Mr. Poppy. Even in any school, you really sort of have to put yourself in a, in you know, an area of disbelief, really, that anyone like him would, you know, get a, a degree or DBS check or be around children at all. Well, I'll tell you what I will say. This, this is something that actually might be more believable for us. Uh, because it's very common for schools to ask for volunteers. So having – now, usually it's parents. It's usually uh, – uh, honestly, it's usually it's moms of elementary school kids who haven't quite reentered the workforce, and it's a nice way for them to volunteer at the school, help the teachers, and also uh, build up their resumes to get back into the workforce. So on that hand, it's like, oh, I, I can't believe it. They're always looking for people who are willing to help at the school without getting paid, as long as they pass a background check. Um, Not in Chicago. In Chicago, it's a it's a actual job. They don't get paid for. It's it's new teachers a lot of times. They're teaching assistants. Some of them are paid positions, and some of them aren't. Yeah. We've we've got little bits like that, but it 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 just seems odd. Like, I, I'm aware that they do that sometimes in the primary schools, but I don't think it's as common here, or at least not in my experience. Well, he's also so comically inept. I mean, he shows up, he's unkept, his his hair is uh, very carefully shown to be messy. Uh, boy, they put a lot of work into making his hair looking that messed up. Um, hey, stop talking about Liz like that. <laughs> it's the plight of the greasy-haired. <laughs> Um, but, you know, I mean, he's profoundly unqualified for this position, and then we find out it's because he's uh, the nephew of somebody more important. Yes, could someone yeah, in my family please get a job that will help me then get a job that I am profoundly unqualified for but would enjoy the way Mr. Poppy enjoys this job? That that's be. my Christmas wish. <laughs> you don't have that blissfully unawareness of Liz. You would, you would be, you would notice. You would be there and be like, I'm a mess. But you would I run know. into the door and just be like, I'm a mess. <laughs> now, Liz is the person in power. But like, people who aren't qualified are going to get their start to podcasting because of her. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> First, I have to start, uh, you know what? New Christmas wish. Make money podcasting. Quit other job. Help other people become podcasters. 
Question mark, question mark, question mark. Step <laughs> three. <laughs> but I mean, a lot of big names have recently gone into podcasting. Like, Macaulay Culkin's a podcaster now. It's, you know, it's an industry. Uh, there are many people. It's a weird, almost backwards thing. It's like, become really famous, then podcast. Uh, the Rock is producing a podcast now. Um, Conan O'Brien has made his show 30 minutes, not an hour, and is now going to be doing a podcast. Yeah, it's because physical meat, like being on television, isn't as important. It's it nuts. Well, nobody can stay up that late for one thing. Okay. <laughs> well, we have like. I, I like the American talk show area sort of a lot more than the British talk show. Like, we have Graham Norton, and we have Alan Carr, who's in this movie, but I don't think we have as as, as strong a talk show game as you have in the States. I love I love Graham Norton. But uh, thank you for bringing up Alan Carr. Um, what's his deal um, is all I can say in this movie, because I, as I watch it and knowing and grudgingly, angrily knowing that it's improv, when he's doing things on screen, I'm like, this guy's somebody. And so I went and looked him up on IMDb, and his IMDb photo is his most recent comedy album picture with the actual – like, it's not a photo. It's a cover of an album. And I was like, okay, he's someone who is considered funny, so I, I don't know who he is. Can you can you tell us about him, Luke? He's a an American – not an American. He's a British talk show Um host he does a lot of stand-up comedy i can't stand him in all honesty i find him really sort oh, of good over the top he, his voice grits on my nerves but is he uh can you, can you can you is, what's he like to him since you do watch american stuff what is his like uh connection like who would you say equate him to who would you be like oh he's kind of like the british mm. he's like a drunk version of ellen <laughs> you know, Wait, that's does actually... that mean you don't like Ellen? No, I like Ellen, but oh. he's like a drunk Ellen. Okay. He, he is one drunk Ellen. He, okay. Her sobriety is one of his favorite parts of her. Fair. <laughs> but, yeah, it's... it's a... Well, that makes me want to watch him now. <laughs> he, 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 he has a habit, like Graham Norton, it seems to be the way our English talk shows go, of getting the guests drunk. Like, he got a lot... I mean, the clips I've seen, I don't mind his chat show, but his stand-up comedy, like, grits on me. I'm not a massive fan of crude humour, and I think that's where a lot of his stuff stands. But I don't mind him in small dosages. Nothing against the man himself, if he's listening. <laughs> come on the show. Hmm. Yeah, Alan, come, yeah. come on. That's, that's the uh, trick of podcasting. Anytime you say anything negative about a famous Cat. person, you then invite them on the show. Mm-hmm. Call him a coward. Coward, come on the come show. On the show. <laughs> I think I had to cut out something I said about Chevy Chase before in a previous episode because I'm like, I really want to chat with Chevy Chase. You don't want to chat with. You do not want to chat with no. Chevy Chase. That, that takes the, years off the, your life. He's the king of jerks. Don't worry. My sister has a dog named Chevy Chase. I can probably connect you with him, and it might be a <laughs> more pleasant experience. Is the dog a jerk? Uh, no, he's just weird. Oh. <laughs> What my one of my guests had worked with Chevy Chase for a while, but that was like before his chat show, and then before everything went horrible. And then Community settled in for a while, and then now I don't know where he is. 
who uh, he's complaining that no one will work with him. That was the most recent thing I saw. And I wanted to be like, well, you've been a jerk. For, oh, I keep saying the word jerk. I'm changing a lot of words on your podcast, just so you know. Uh, he's he's not a nice fellow. He hasn't been nice for 50 years, and now it's coming home to roost. And he's uh, a little mad that no one will, you know, go out and do a show with him. Yeah, because you're awful and no one likes you. Well, now, you know, now he's got a, a lower bar to set. I'll just wait until he's willing to come over and be in one of my short films for free. Do you know, then maybe, it... <laughs> yeah, we should... Uh start a Twitter campaign that if Chevy Chase wants to rehabilitate his image and career, he needs to work with Luke. Mm-hmm. There you go. Listen, <laughs> yeah, you've got to be more likable when you're working with Luke. I mean, exactly. quite frankly, we're all on here because we're trying to rehabilitate our, our, our reputations. I'm trying really. to yeah, learn I, to speak like a civilized human being. <laughs> I act like drunk Ellen all the time, so I mean, I'm trying to change, change my life choices. <laughs> And we were talking about how Liz is, like, giving away other people's kids all the time, so. I'm trying to learn to be better. I mean, you hear those kids in the back of Brad's thing? Those aren't his. In the back of Brad's recording? That's where I'm storing the kids I've stolen. (laughs) I just say, that that entire conversation was before we started recording, so this is considerably more confusing now. Welcome to our world, Luke. (laughs) You've got to talk about what's going on in the green room. you always got to talk about that. Make the guests um, or the listeners a little bit confused. You saying about talking about what's going on in the green room just gave me a, a flashback to a, a comedy night I arranged and hosted, wherein I was I was there, I introduced the main comedian, and then thought he was still in the green room, so carried the portable mic into the green room to find he was on stage waiting for the mic. So that was, yeah, that's fun. Nice prank. That's <laughs> yeah, a fun moment. He said he gives it more. He gives him more material for his next tour. <laughs> there you go. Comedians are people that are really excited when bad stuff happens to him. It's like, oh, I'm gonna get 15 minutes out of this. Which I mean, is that's good because they did the show free for a charity I work with, so that's good. I mean, the, so, the, the podcast that we all do, we all do movies by minutes podcasts, and we're all sharks in the water, waiting on something bad to happen. Because if something bad happens, that's the show. That's 20 minutes of the show. Our best bits are. Screw ups. That's why people invite Rob Blumley on. Yeah. Just a human screw up. He's uh he's like the John Cleese of our group and he just kinda comes in and just kinda <laughs> fumbles about and you just you just find it so charmingly funny and you just you just deal or you scream at him because you're so angry. Well in fact recently with John Cleese he did a sitcom with the guy who plays Gordon Shakespeare in this film. Oh. Huh. Um, yeah, Gordon Shakespeare, called... I looked up his stuff. He's he's done a lot of British, uh, um, every, well, everything, basically, movies. There's a even. great sitcom called Hold the Sunset, where it's John Cleese and the woman who plays the mum in Gavin and Stacey, and she's complete, completely like slipped my mind. But essentially, it's they're a couple who are, they're two sort of senior citizens who are secretly in a relationship, but no one really knows. John Cleese proposes to um, her, and at that moment, her son has just got divorced and decides to just invite himself back into the house and move in. So it's them sort of trying to keep their relationship secret whilst having a 50-year-old son about. It's a good show. Sounds like a hoot. I love I love the it, name of all British sitcom shows because they never sound like sitcoms. <laughs> Yours is, what's it called? Like, Never Into the Sun? What's it called? Hold the Sunset. Hold the Sunset, I would think, was a movie about feelings and, you know, yeah. girls Someone, coming of age. 
Uh, or, or, or about a dying, a dying parent <laughs> yes, that you were yes, trying yes. to get, you know, squeeze the last moments of uh, out of of joy out of their life. That was a very I no idea disturbing description. Let me just bum us out a little bit before we talk about the Christmas movie. Wander around yourself, children, all the time. It also sounds extremely worthy. That's my films to do. If you ever, um, when you do your, uh, when you are have uh, got your Oscar-winning movie ready to go, let me know, and I will write your tagline for you. <laughs> then you've got to come up with a title, because Hold the Sunset's gone. So. <laughs> Hold the Sunset 2, Electric Boogaloo. Or you just do the Ghostbusters thing and buy the license. I don't know that reference. What? Okay, uh, there was, I only found it recently because I heard it on a podcast, there was a TV series in the 70s oh, called Ghostbusters. Yes, I do know that one. Gonna be, yeah. Gotcha. Oh, the one with the monkey. Yeah, yeah it's the monkey. <laughs> so that was, yeah. I've just got to pretend I'm knowledgeable for this podcast. <laughs> so I'll just <laughs> throw in references to things I hardly know. I mean, the other day I referenced a, a film twice that I hadn't seen. I do that all the time. Well, you are you are a fan of movies, not an expert. That's that's what I always tell people about when I'm doing my stuff. That's my that's my get out of jail free card. I'm like, oh, look, I just like this stuff. I don't know everything about it, so someone can always come in and tell me uh, new things. Well, and I don't know anything about movies. I just have opinions. <laughs> I mean, there are so many films I haven't seen. You're <laughs> well ahead no of excuse. me, and I'm oh, I'm more than twice your age, and you are well ahead of me, so you're doing okay. Either that, or I just have no life. <laughs> That's the alternative. No, I just watch the same movies over and over. I'm still doing the same activity as you. I'm just not expanding my worldview. Well, also, you didn't have – something was going on, I think, when you were a kid, because when I was a kid, when I was Luke's age – I watched – HBO was a new thing. HBO was, had been out probably four years maybe. So I was – it's not that I was watching these movies on purpose. It's just the TV was on while I was doing other things. And so I saw so many movies because they just kept coming on. We didn't have HBO. It was expensive. All right. Remember, I was on top of a mountain, Liz. I'm I there. understand. You just looked close enough to the sky that you could see the sun. <laughs> yep. I could grab on the at the satellite. <laughs> You could hold the sunset. Well, for me, it was uh, when I was 18, I worked at a video store for one year. And we could, employees could watch the older movies for free. You just take it home. So just night after night, I would just come home with another movie. And the pickings started getting pretty slim. And that's how you ended up with, oh, Kevin Costner was in a movie called Gunrunner. And it's terrible, but I guess I'll watch it. And you end up watching a lot of stuff that way. And... That's when I always became interested in something like this with Martin Freeman uh, in Nativity. It's just fascinating because we know Martin Freeman. He's he's gotten a lot of uh, awareness from the uh, Sherlock uh, Sherlock uh, show that he does, and now he's in the Marvel movies. And it's like, oh well, he didn't just show up in his mid forties part way to do this. He's had a long successful career just, and it's easy i think for us the americans in the uh, audience here to forget it's like oh uh you can have a very successful career without having anything work its way to america to america sure i was going to say people tend to forget that he's a porn star in love actually um that is well, the porn, 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 porn stand-in 
Yeah, not even yeah, just I, think, I think they were just. I think they were like. I think Richard Curtis said they were just supposed to be stand-ins for se- a sex scene in a film or a series of sex scenes in a film. But I mean, that's not clear. It's, <laughs> it's well, not. and actually, it's for like big productions, not porns. They're supposed to be standing in for. He's supposed to be standing in for like Brad Pitt, and it's mm-hmm. so that they can light the set without having Brad Pitt standing on the set. Why yes. have I seen Love Actually so many times? I've seen it so oh, many no, times. Oh, no, completely the same. Um, and I only first saw it last year, and I've seen it too many times. So it's... But I'm, I'm a massive Richard Curtis fan. Like, if, if I'm bored, I'll watch a Richard Curtis movie. I've seen Notting Hill so many times. Oh, I've I love seen that movie. About Time is my favourite movie. I think I talked about that quite a lot on the Cosmic Geppetto, but I love About Time. Um... I need to do that in the new series of Please Be Seated, I think. I think I think Love Actually is my favorite. I know a lot of people have cliche problems with it, or it doesn't age well, but I don't care. It makes me it, happy. It's got problematic storylines. I don't like the I, story of uh, Alan Rickman uh, cheating on or emotionally cheating on his wife. No, I hate that storyline. It's, it's uncomfortable. It makes me sad. Uh, I'd watch the entire movie of Liam Neeson and his son. Oh, my God, yes. Oh, my gosh, that is... So precious. And my wife just looked this up. That was two years before his wife died of an aneurysm. Yeah. And it's just like he literally did it in this movie, and we were all like, ah. By the way, I'm going to make everyone, like, probably quite surprised in the fact that there was only a five-year age difference between the little boy and Kira Knightley. I don't doubt that. Wow. Kira Knightley was five years. She was very young at that movie. Yeah. She was 18, yeah. and he was 13. He doesn't look 13. No, he, he doesn't. Looks, he looks he's, much he's younger still, than that. He's still a wee man. I'm, I'm still a little guy. I'm pretty sure he voices Phineas in Phineas and Ferb. Huh. He was in an episode of Doctor Who. Um, he was. He was in the, the family of Blair. Yeah, he's on uh, Game of Thrones, too. He's one of the Reeds. Um, he's Jim Reed. He's the one who uh, can tell the future. He's a great seer. Wow, I know way too much about Game of good Thrones. Good for so. him. Yeah, good for him. <laughs> Here's the thing. You're, you're, anyway, you're doing deep dive into Game of Thrones. I'm like, Phineas and Ferb? I love Phineas and Ferb. I also <laughs> love Phineas and Ferb. Well, what what happens is uh, with you reach the point where you have kids and you just are so excited when they get into a cartoon or any sort of entertainment that isn't terrible. And Phineas and Ferb is a legit good show. And I'm watching, like, oh, thank God. So then they say, we want to watch a cartoon. Why don't we watch Mr. Snuffy and his four boring friends? He's like, no, we're going to watch Phineas and Ferb. I want to. <laughs> Brad, you keep saying cap. Um, best... you... <laughs> don't, uh, don't infer it's easy. The, the best um, thing at the moment is the fact that I've managed to get my little th- Three now four-year-old cousin into watching the Sarah Jane Adventures, the Doctor Who spin-off, which is great. I don't know how present that that is in the states, but I I love that show. I am aware of the Sarah Jane Adventures, however, and I will talk about it in a moment. But uh, the the our little drummer boy from Love Actually was in Star Wars: The Force Awakens. That's why you were shaking, man. Yeah, I got excited. <laughs> just... It's I not mad. Star she's... Wars reference. She's so excited. I'm so excited. Talk about Star really... Wars. Star Wars is one thing which I really struggle to get into, and I don't know why. That's okay. Like, I've seen... It's not for everyone. I think I've seen like the the original trilogy and the 
prequels, I think, at some point. And I liked them a little bit when I was little, but it was mostly because it felt like I was watching something grown up. But then, like, when I actually started trying to follow it, I'm like, I see why people like it, but I just can't. Um, but, yeah. That's valid. And so we don't have to <laughs> talk about Star Wars. We can talk about the Sarah Jane Adventures. Um, for those of you who don't... But was this one where I'm, like, the only person who's seen it no, all? Well, seen it all, yeah. I haven't seen it all. But for those of you who don't know, maybe the other Americans listening... I know. The Sarah... Whatever. I wasn't talking to you then. All right, fine. It was you are the single other American <laughs> listening. <laughs> I'm the other American listening. It's the uh, it's a spinoff from Doctor Who. Sarah Jane was the fourth doctor, one of the fourth Doctor's companions, and she was beloved and a fantastic companion, and I love her. And she came back during David Tennant's run as the Doctor, and she we learned that she had become a journalist and was investigating odd things, and she stumbles upon the doctor, and that is, I believe, what we would call a backdoor pilot for her show, The Sarah Jane Adventures, where Sarah Jane and K-9 are, like, saving the world. You mean David Last Tennant, the to... star of Nativity 2, Danger in the Manger? <laughs> the sequel titles are something else. I went they to the 10th uh, anniversary celebration of Sarah Jane, and that was really fun. Did Elizabeth Sarah Jane, did she die? The actress? Elizabeth yeah, Elizabeth. yeah. Yes. Halfway through recording series five of Sarah Jane Adventures, so they only had three um, stories. Okay. But I met her husband. He's a very nice guy. A guy called Brian. The interesting thing is that she wrote her autobiography up until, like, the day she died, so it's the complete full... Life story. Yeah, I heard she's really nice. Mm, I, I'm so upset. I remember specifically the day that she died, like, and I was so upset seeing that on the news. I was listening to a lot of... Because I think children's TV just did, like, hours of just talking about her. And I think that must be such a hard thing to break to children on children's TV. Yeah, I can't imagine. Like, uh, it doesn't usually happen that a child's, uh, someone who's still like a popular child's, you know. TV personality. Oh, uh, well, that was, uh, that was me, Bart. My bad. I used the wrong. Uh, didn't that happen on Sesame Street where when Gordon passed away, the actor played Gordon and they had to tell that, him? To... Yeah, I was trying to think of something where it would happen in real time. And that's, yeah, Gordon. Gordon. Uh, uh, Gordon, uh, Mr. Hooper, the guy who ran the That's right. store. Right. Brand new story in the world of Doctor Who. Christopher Eccleston is escorted from a train by cops over um, by the police after a row with a member of staff over a drink trolley. So that's current news. Breaking news. <laughs> Breaking news. You heard it. Uh, you heard yeah. it here before. Breaking news from what will be two weeks ago. <laughs> British pro over drinks. <laughs> Doctor drinks trolley. Evil uh, uh, goes goes quietly with cops. Chris is a very friendly guy. I met. Yeah. Look, he's yeah. nice. I went to go see him. I, think, I went to go see him in Macbeth. I think he's a little strange. bitter, but you know, I think he's over it now. Yeah, he's he's definitely over it now. I I, I left the stage door of Macbeth. While he was talking to a kid, pretending he was the doctor, and it was like the best thing. 
adorable. I wish I was a kid. Um, I invited him onto this show, and he told me to leave my phone number in reception. And it's been it's it's, it's been ten months, Chris. Come on, <laughs> come on the come show. On. Call. Come on, Chris, get on here. <laughs> there are no dream rallies on the show to, to make you upset. <laughs> I like the idea that he's listening to the show, but not made the phone call. You're our favorite doctor, Chris. Get on here. He, honestly, that's, he is my, he favorite. Is my favorite doctor. He's not mine. It's David Head from Nativity to Danger in the Manger. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think you probably talk about Nativity. What? <laughs> I will say Nativity 2 is actually a really, really good movie. Yeah, because David Tennant plays. What about David Nativity Tenet 3? Um, one character where's and his twin. Dude, where's uh, my donkey? Dude, where's my donkey? Is also, it's it's my least favorite, but I think it's like the highest budget one. Uh, Martin Clunes is engaged to Catherine Tate, and he goes to inspect the school, um, and he ends up getting kicked in the head by Mr. Poppy's donkey and losing his memory. So his kids, so the kids decide to teach him the meaning of Christmas in hope that it will bring his memory back. So please tell me by this time, Mr. Poppy is no longer living in trailer in the school parking lot with his menagerie animals he's acquired. I'm not sure. And is there is a he... script? <laughs> um, I, I don't think uh, so. Oh, this is a great <laughs> bit, though, when he's talking. Or it's like, oh, you've abandoned me like this man and this man. And he's just got two snow globes with a picture of Martin Freeman and a picture of David Tennant. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. So he's super bitter. That's fantastic. Um, but, yeah, uh, David Tennant plays both. Uh, one character and his twin brother, which leads to many humorous antics throughout the film. What I need to know from you, Luke, is these these were theatrically released films in in, in England, correct? I believe so. I know definitely Danger in the Manger was, and I know definitely Nativity Rocks was, so I assume the first two were as well but I believe they're also BBC made because they're always on BBC One or BBC Two like every year so so Liz Johnson and I enjoyed the movie and it certainly had a lot of charm but stop me for this, this feels like something that would be on in America on ABC Family or something like that we have networks that are really geared towards uh, family friendly films I don't feel like something comparable to this wouldn't be released in theaters because uh, it would fail. Yeah, yeah. This, it, yeah. This it, would be, it would be wildly successful even on Netflix. Right, right now on Netflix, they just released a uh, Santa Claus movie featuring Kurt Russell. It's awesome. Oh, that one's brilliant. I love it's it. It's awesome. <laughs> it's on my list of, this. Is, I think the rest of the weekend is just uh, Christmas movies. And... It's, it's, yeah, it's awesome. Where did stand on that list? <laughs> it's awesome and it's fun, but it would not have made it. It would not have done well if it had been released in theaters. It had no, to go through no, Netflix. Yeah. Well, now, yeah, especially here. I, I know you guys have a completely different. Your Netflix is a, a whole other animal because I know your Netflix actually sometimes bundles in things that we are paying for, like CBS All Access here has Star Trek. You guys get Star Trek through Netflix. So it's a whole nother animal. The way the distribution works over there, in anywhere other than America, even in Canada, it's different. I anywhere but here, it's it's uh, completely different. Uh, we just have a different market. There are certain things, movies. Certain movies will work over the. You know, that's why European markets are so huge because they just it's completely separate from ours. And 
Although we don't like that when people tell us that because we think we invented movies. But <laughs> excuse me. Yes, I personally I invented movies. Uh, I think it's worth like going a bit further into talking about nativity. Um, uh, they start work on the play. I can't believe we're only this far. And Paul lies to Gordon about Hollywood coming to see the play. Which it's it's once again it's you you sort of got to put yourself in a state of disbelief that you know that they're going to make a film and a book it seemed a bit odd well everything about this was everything about this was first off I didn't really buy that Paul was would make up this lie he he didn't even seem engaged enough he seemed so crestfallen that it didn't even seem like it would be worth it for him to to make up this lie and of course he had to just to move the plot along and the plot moves really fast up to this point. Uh, yeah. Um, but it, it was sort of funny, like, out of nowhere, why does he care enough about what Shakespeare thinks to even make this, or, or what anyone thinks to make up this stuff? Um, again, otherwise the movie doesn't happen. If he was just sort of would have shrugged and kept moping about his day, well, that would that'd be a really bad movie. But, uh, and where on earth did he think it's going to get him? Like it, it, it appears that him and Gordon Shakespeare's school seem to be quite close to each other in terms of going to see each other's thing. Like, like how how long do you think this lie is going to get held up? Well, it's, well, I don't think that. I mean, if it if Mr. Potter hadn't overheard it, it would have just been Gordon Shakespeare. He wouldn't have believed it, and he probably wouldn't have had the any need any personal need to follow it up. And well, the fact that they went on to Hollywood are going to make a film out of it, and not just Jennifer's going to come and see us. Like, I, I, I feel like he stretched it one step too far. But I mean, then we wouldn't have a, a a good film. Um, so, you know, it's yeah. There's a lot of, I, a of disbelief. It, it, I don't know if it's part of their them just spitballing as they record this, but. I, I don't think everything in this movie – I mean, we can all agree. Nothing, a lot of stuff in this movie isn't earned. The the I love the things – I'll start with a, a pro and a grow. The pros I like. The sentiment between the children when the children feel scared and the way that Paul makes them feel, and telling them they can be anything they want to be. You can be a star. You can be part of the ensemble. It's all very sweet and very uplifting. But he feels like a real teacher, right? When, in those scenes, but then you also have the same person steal two children and take them to Hollywood. He didn't know they were stolen, but yeah, well, but, he didn't look very hard. <laughs> that's right. I was about to say he didn't also check. He didn't double check. <laughs> and how on earth do the, is the security of Hollywood literally going to be that stupid? The security of Hollywood. Uh, I, that's like just... the classic. That was like a a cheap sitcom. That, that was like a Disney Channel sitcom, uh, Hollywood set paper. Oh, oh that's the only thing that would have been decades old. More yeah. more Disney would have been if the guy up front also was a singer. And at the end of the movie, we <laughs> found that out. I must also ask, how how good were the American accents? Awful. They were very obviously okay. British people doing a, an American accent, but that's. I only the guy, only the, the boss, only What's-Her-Face's boss is uh, actually American. The one wearing a double-breasted suit, which I also had a problem with. 
Because <laughs> like, that's how everyone wears double-breasted suits. In 2009, no one wears double-breasted. No, no Especially in double Hollywood. No one's worn double-breasted suits in 10 years. At that and pleated pants, I believe he had on pleated pants. Let's, yeah, let, I, I think let's talk about that receptionist. That receptionist. is he? Uh, what accent is that? <laughs> is that supposed to be American, or is it just supposed to be weird? I, I, I took it as, well, for starters, he, obvi- he looks like the most British person you've ever seen. Like, oh, you yeah. look at him and you go, this person is not American. This He's person Welsh. is British. Welsh. Or this person is from an island in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean, not like, America. He looks, he, looks like a Welsh. he looks like a Welshman. Yeah, I, I think there's there's very little crossover unless you've got an amazing cast between British and American accents. Like, I don't think many Americans can do b- good British accents and vice no, versa. Right. You would tell James Masters that. as Spike in Buffy the Vampire Slayer is amazing at his British accent, but basically everyone He else. can also really narrate an audiobook, but... Um, and he can sing, but it's... Yeah, uh... He's it, not in this movie. They were, so yeah, <laughs> yeah, the, he should the be. The accents were not as bad as some of the American accents I've heard on Doctor Who, but okay. it's also totally forgivable because I have heard Americans do some just truly dreadful British accents, including we've been myself. Doing, we've been doing these British accents for years. They just recently started doing American accents. <laughs> so, to be fair to them, it's our fault. We started I, it. I know for years we've been doing. I mean, there've been. I mean, I, how many sitcoms from the '80s probably had a British person on it that wasn't British? It's just somebody who's just saying, "Hey, Crocky, hey," you know. It's so back to, back to the film. I love the idea that Gordon decides to do a play about Herod. Like, I think it's so much better than the stupid Christmas plays I had to do. Like, we had one which was, from a perspective of the innkeeper, don't mind that. We had one where we had to play aliens who had to get told about Christmas. Ugh. And at other time, oh, I can't remember what one of them, oh, one of them was called Stable Manners, and it was from the perspective of the animals. But the other one was called The Xmas Factor, and it was, like, done as if it were, like, a TV show where God, I, I, I played God, I think that's my best role yet, <laughs> tried to... Um, sort of arrange everything through that and from my perspective especially from a from a, a, a christian perspective it's like is the original story not good enough maybe it's because it's been overdone and they do joke about that they're like it's been done by every school everywhere there are christians yeah. <laughs> they're so different it'd be quite interesting to see like uh, a, an alternative idea of it but i do like the idea of a perspective of herod well it w- what did strike me about that is, and, and I did enough community theater and worked with enough creative people to know that there's a thing that happens when somebody who's creative doesn't want to just do the same old thing. And that's where you end up with some crazy stuff. And like with Gordon's play where they're they're ripping apart children. It's like being at Liz's house. The baby so, Jesus. I have <laughs> never desecrated the baby Jesus in that way. <laughs> I just want that stated for the record. But that's where you end up with some really wacky uh, alternative versions of Shakespeare. It's like, hey, it's Shakespeare, it's it's uh, Romeo and Juliet, but it takes place in gangland, you know, decrepit de Detroit or something like that, and where those ideas come from. And they're great and they're fun. The problem is why, where it, it, it can be, when it's something that's supposed to be like, 
fun or family entertainment or something like this, an activity where, yeah, you basically you want to go and just see the kids sing some cute songs and say silly lines and, you know, you don't try to do too much with making it dark. Um, and well, they were just trying to. He was trying to be interesting. Yeah, yeah trying to be edgy. Um, and... Has anyone seen? Has, has anyone seen Crickety? That is the most British sentence yes. ever uttered yes. to yeah. my face. Okay. Have ever seen the Throwing them up too high. No. no. No one has seen. I mean, are you aware of this? No. 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 Okay. It's a, it's a sitcom where Dawn French plays a vicar, and it went on for a few. Uh, uh, Vicar? Sort of That's another one we say a lot. Oh, it's 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 really good. It's from Richard Curtis, um, which is why I watched it. But it's um, essentially there's one episode there where they're doing a nativity play, and it's like the, one of the main members of the parish. They're like, we'd like to play Herod, and he's like, okay, but I'd like to know what his what his means are, whether he's interesting. I'd like to make a likable version of Herod, and it's like, what? And it, says that, it reminded me of that, but yeah, it's a lot like uh, springtime for Hitler. It's a lot like a lot like springtime for Hitler, oh, where they're yeah, trying definitely. to make you know they want a funny Hitler. Basically, <laughs> it, it's one of those. It, I love that situation. Anytime they, they turn those type of movies on their head and be like, "What if we made the most horrible humans in the on Earth?" Uh, I mean, uh, uh, what uh, Team America: World Police? That puppet movie has uh, Kim Jong Il Un. As a puppet, and he's like the funny one. The that the there's they're always doing that. They did that movie. That movie they got a uh, what banned in North Korea. Oh, the what? interview. The interview. Remember Kim Jong Un is uh, or Kim Jong Il is a nice guy that people want to hang out with. He just want he's lonely. He just wants to hang out with. So what um what I like is the idea of well like you got um oh hello Thomas hello got news hello. Would you would you like to briefly introduce yourself to? Our oh sure, uh, I'm Thomas Howarth. I yeah. formerly ran the um, Never Ending Story or Never Ending Minute, which was about the Never Ending Story, and I'm soon to be part of the Kick Ass Minute. So, did you, say, did you say ass on on Spider? Well, it's the name of a movie, <laughs> so I'm assuming yeah, I can. I think, I think we're acceptable here. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's fine. I, I haven't really got limits. I don't know. I just... Don't say that to me. It's fine. to me, Luke. Oh, yeah. Make sure you keep it on him. <laughs> Man, I like... I, I, I don't want to have it in, but I can I easily cut bits out. No, no, no. No, we can, we can restrain ourselves. As long as we, like... Anyway, well, we're we talking about the figure of Dibley. No, Thomas' favorite were, yeah. show. <laughs> <laughs> and we got there because we were talking about beginning about the we were beginning to talk about the uh, well the beginnings of the nativity coming together the nativity play coming together oh and about uh, Gordon Shakespeare's wackadoodle uh, Herod Herod play passion play yeah but as we as we move around talking about things that have gone too far the uh, I have seen some of my history. I have seen a nativity done at the Crystal Cathedral uh, in L.A., which is probably the most garish church in existence. It's made, it's made of glass. It's humongous. And they did a nativity that was – I mean, it, it had lasers. It had lasers, and at the end, Jesus ascended 
from across, literally, because uh, they do the nativity and then they also have Jesus at the end. It's a whole thing. But uh, at the end, he like his his form is like outlined in lasers, and then the laser Jesus shoots into the sky. It was a whole thing. You should have seen. Uh, at my old church back <laughs> home, we had a really, really, really large church, and every year for Christmas we do a nativity kind of program, and we actually had like four flying angels that uh, were on in the same kind of uh, thing that the kid is later with the like oh, from the hooks, and they were on tracks, and we could make them like fly out and fly back and go up and down. So I was one, usually one of the guys that was pulling the ropes for the angels and making them fly out across the crowd and fly back. It was pretty intense. Mind you, I do remember at my church seeing, like, they, they tend to do, like, these really sort of short sketches every now and again. I remember seeing a nativity play sketch involving the Doctor and Clara, which was a bit <laughs> odd, but interesting. Awesome. Would watch. Um, I can't remember anything to do with what the point of it was. I remember sort of a mix between, wow, it's Doctor Who in church, and also sort of really cringing at seeing two of my members of the congregation playing um, good roles. Well, what were decent characters at the time, I, I think there's... I, I'm, I'm not a fan of Clara in Series 9. Yeah, it kind of... Uh... Clara kind of shut me down from the Doctor for a while. I really want to go back and revisit now that Jodie Whittaker is in it, but I haven't watched anything since The Raven Got Clara. <laughs> was that Raven Got Clara the first time or the second I time? Think, <laughs> I think the first time. I don't remember. It's been a while. <laughs> because then they brought her back two episodes later, and then they did it again. Yeah, I think it was the second time. That when she, it was the second time, I was like, I'm done for a while. <laughs> But now she's flying around yeah, in that's... space in a uh, giant uh, old diner. Yeah, which is actually just in the middle of Cardiff, that diner. <laughs> <laughs> Everything's in the middle of Cardiff <laughs> on this Cardiff show. Is the center of the universe. It's actually a very lovely diner. Um, uh, but it, it's always really weird when I watch the episode of Doctor Who set in America because it appeared a couple of times. And it's just... In oh, it's the also, diner from it's... Vegas or L.A. or wherever it was, supposedly, supposed to be, the one where... Utah, I think, wasn't it? Uh, Utah, the one, the one Matt Smith was in. Yeah. yeah. And I, I don't know, do you have... Did Tracy Beaker ever come around to America, the British children's show? I don't remember that one. That's no. Actually, the show called Tracy it's, Beaker? It's actually, yeah, it's actually a really sort of quite dark children's show. Set in, well, it's quite emotionally heavy, set in a... Um, uh, children's home with a girl called Tracy Beaker who's always thinking her mum's going to come back and God. she never does. Ooh, in the Tracy Beaker movie uh, all her dreams that her mum was a Hollywood star who, who comes back for her happens and she goes to America and they spend time in a diner which is also that diner <laughs> from the middle of Cardiff. Um, they so call the home they live in the dumping ground? Oh my God. Yeah. Wow. This is dark. This is British kids. I'm pretty sure the first episode their spin-off show, The Dumping Ground, involved a bomb going off. I'm pretty sure that happened. Who's crumbling around over there? Uh, <laughs> my fault, sorry. Thomas fell out of his chair. No, I'm still dealing with a four-year-old, so I was trying to get her sauce for her nuggets. That's what it sounded like. I was going to say, are you <laughs> opening sauce? God, I'm so fat. 
How do I know what the sauce of nuggets sound like? Well, I feel like I'm I feel like I'm nerdy in the set that I volunteer in a, in a charity shop uh, wherein I'm in charge of the DVDs, which is like my favorite job. And so I have a big stack of DVDs, and I'd be able to tell from a stack like however high, obviously listeners can't see however high, um, for the um, like which if there's a disc loose in exactly which case it's loose from, and I don't know how. But it's like I'll just hear a shake. I'm like, oh, it's obviously like fourth one down, and that. So well, I think that you've discovered your superpower. <laughs> I mean, that's that's that shop's where I picked up a lot of things. That's where I picked up the complete box set of the Vicar of Dibley for four pounds. You know, I'm gonna do that. I'm looking at it. It's very digestible. It's literally 20 episodes over four years, and then 10 specials between '96 and 2007. <laughs> So, just so you know, that's maybe why Americans haven't latched on to it. We can't latch on to things. British shows confuse us in that they come on and then they go for nine years and they come back like nothing happened and we then are off. We, we need something that, like, it's been on for seven years and now it's done. Okay, now I can own the set. Got it. I, I was gonna, I was gonna m- make a joke about British shows confusing you because they're actually good. Oh. But then, I remembered that, uh, then I remembered that my two favourite shows are Community and Buffy, so I can't really say much. You can <laughs> say they're good. The no one sees them. How good is a show if you can't see it? If no one knows it exists. Community feels British in my mind. If though. I sing like, award-winning arias in the forest, yeah. are they still award-winning? Also, yeah. I saw a show airs on and nobody watches it. Did it really air? <laughs> I saw coupling. British can make bad jokes. I tried to watch coupling. I, I haven't seen it. It's written by Stephen Offit, so I don't have high hopes. They've made four of these nativity movies. <laughs> yeah, when I saw yeah, the yeah, this is quality. To this, I was amazed. <laughs> so we've got nativity, then nativity two, danger in the manger, then nativity three, dude, where's my donkey, uh, which. Uh, the latest films just feel like they've just turned occasionally into musicals when they suit themselves. Is it a reboot? Uh, it's not a reboot. <laughs> with, with Dude, Where's My Donkey, though? It's like, it's normally like, oh, completely fine. It's just like the first one, improvise. Then suddenly they'll start singing, Hey, dude, where's my donkey? Hey, dude. And it's like, what, is this a musical now? I, I don't get it. Um, well, I guess that kind of fits with the theme of the show or the movie since it's all kind of improv anyway. Yeah. Don't get me started, Thomas. We've already been <laughs> So where are, we, where are we up to? They, uh, Mr. Pop, or they, they let, oh, I was oh. way back down there. <laughs> uh, Paul was invited to a reception by the Lord Mayor. Oh, no, that's after the auditions. You I love the Lord Mayor. I love the Lord Mayor, by the way. He's wholesome. He's so he's so excited. The whole movie. He's from a show. He's from a sitcom we have here called The Royal Family. He's the lead in that. Uh, that I can um, get behind. That's an easy I, title. <laughs> that one makes sense. Yeah. Well, it's well, the vicar it's of Dibley doesn't like. It's not like roll off my tongue. I don't <laughs> well, say those it's, words. But the royal it's family. It's royal with an e at the end. Oh, oh the royal. Oh, the royal. Awesome. Um, <laughs> and I haven't actually seen any of it myself. Oh. <laughs> He wrote in a book that I've got called Does God Lol? And it's a book full of Christian comedians talking about whether God has a sense of humour. And it's actually really interesting, like Ken Dodd uh, wrote into it, um, Tim Vine, Milton Jones. I don't know how many of these names exist (laughs) over the pond. (laughs) 
Zero. Ken Dodd was very, very Zero. beloved. He passed away in February, but he's known for going on overtime. Like my grandparents went to go see him at a show that started at seven. He didn't turn up till eight, and then at midnight he had the interval. Like he cost he cost theatres a lot of money because he'd only do a show for like an hour, and then he'd go on for five. Oh, so he's the British TV show of comedians. We never know when he's going to be on. We never know. Right. We never know how long the season's going to be. I'm sorry. I mean, he's been trained to be like that his whole life. Come on. He doesn't know any other way. Um. So then we've got. Uh, what do What do you think on the auditions for the show? Actually. Like, I, I like that. Scene. I, I love audition scenes in movies and TV shows. It's it's always a it's a real easy joke. It's a real easy laugh. I also give them credit, and this is something just I felt uh, from start to finish of the movie. I give them credit for not. Uh, again, if this was an American movie, they would have snuck in Alicia Keys or somebody profoundly talented. Somebody is this world class talent. Uh, I give you credit for not, you know, putting uh, Susan Boyle in pigtails and having her turn out to be one of the kids. <laughs> they all sounded like kids. Some were a little more talented than others or could sing a little better than others, but nobody was outrageously talented. Uh, the only problem I did have, and this was another thing that was throughout the movie, a lot of Michael Jackson dancing. Oh, which, the, uh, whole, the whole Michael Jackson thing, I, they must have gotten permission to use three songs because they used them nine times in this movie. Lots of uh, 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 the 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 Christmas time music. Which one is it? The which one is it? The uh, I have it in my notes. Hold on, hold on. We're, we're holding. We're holding. Oh, you, you don't have to hold. Notes. No. <laughs> I took tons of notes. Uh, Chris, I just read what happens in the film. Dead. Yeah, they use that three yeah. times in three places for three different tones, and I'm I'm like, guys, I got it. I got you that you were given the song. I understand, but. Don't get me started. We 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 already talked about the editing, but if I went and read some of the background on how long this took. You know that this movie was edited for ten months. Oh. Just keep that in mind. Keep yeah, that in mind. Like 120 hours of footage. 120 <laughs> hours of footage. I want to scream at the heavens. Oh, bye, Brad. Brad's had to to go. Bye, Brad. Uh, we've had four sequels. Where's the Bob movie? I'd watch an entire movie about Bob. No. Bob, um, I'm trying to find my. I did have one note about somebody. Where is it at? I think it's in Goofs. Um, he, when he was auditioning, apparently his jacket had his actual name on it. <laughs> oh, that's cute. <laughs> that's just the same Bob. It said Ben. <laughs> but that I, I could totally believe that kid just picked up Ben's coat off the playground or something yep. by accident. He I just agree. Picked up the wrong coat. Uh, I've, but I want to know hey, why. Luke, Luke, I've got to, I've got to run. Thank you so much for letting me be on today. Uh, have fun continuing the rest of this. I had a real fun time. I'm going to take my kid to his own uh, singing thing at uh, Barnes & Noble Bookstore. So <laughs> I'm going to go do my own nativity right now. Awesome. Bye. Thanks. It's great to have you on. All right, bye. Thanks, Luke. So, yeah, that was the big thing I noticed from the uh, the – um, auditions and the kids were super cute and you could tell not all of them were actually aspiring to be professional actors which is kind of cool it had a natural feel to it why did they change their names is what I'm wondering like what what at what point in an improvised film do you need to change your name like as the kids 
I, I think because when they're kids, they don't, you know, I, if I was a parent and I let my kid be in a movie, I wouldn't want just any stranger walking down the street to be able to yell their name and get their attention. I don't know. I thought, I mean, surely they're credited in the credits. Yeah, okay, fine. That You're right. <laughs> my Maybe it's just help the kids separate between, okay, we're playing around and now we're serious. And now this is movie time. That's true. That's true. Um, so, the other thing, um, what's the next thing on my notes? The next thing is we've got, obviously we talked a bit about the reception with the Lord Mayor that he was invited to. Paul is procrastinating calling Jennifer, and the kids learn the first song, which I think is Nazareth, the first song, I think. Oh, yeah, when they're learning from, when he, when um, the uh, so teacher's aide um, ends up, teaching them a song that's not the one that he wrote originally. He, like, changes the song lyrics. Yeah, I really... I, I like that sort of sequence. And I like the idea of a school... I don't know how, how common it was for the school to write their own plays. Like, we always just took, like, bought the license to perform other things. That's what my school always did. So it seems like he's actually, like, putting his time on it. But it seems odd that he's getting the kids to rehearse it whilst he's still writing it. Well, the, I don't, I don't not only was the movie improv, the show was pretty much improv <laughs> as he went, too. Yeah. yeah. I mean, because I, I think it probably takes a really long time to, well, not only to write a play with music, but also to teach kids to memorize a song and their lines. So he really kind of had to... Um, he didn't have a lot of time to work with, so he had to start him on it as soon as he had something to put in front of him. And I think he was putting it off for so long that it was all ending up last minute anyway. He didn't want to do the show, so. Right. And I, I love the songs we have in it. I think they're some great songs. Um, I don't know where everyone else stands on them, but they get stuck in my head a lot. Oh, I thought they were pretty fantastic. I enjoyed the movie overall. I loved this nativity play. I love the songs. I love the costumes. I loved fan. Like fan. having the star so, as a character—that's genius. Yeah, I, I, what I'm wondering is, with it being, with there being a West End musical of this, I'm wondering if it's actually just a West End musical of the Nativity play, or whether it's a West End musical of the kids performing it. Because, I mean, I just watched the Nativity play done like professionally. <laughs> Yeah, I yeah. think I would actually prefer that because otherwise there's a lot going on. Um, then we've got Mr. Poppy has high hopes, but Paul doesn't believe they can do it all. And then they go to a hospital to see a baby being born. Yeah, what was up with that? That's he, uh, he parents, these children like, for life? Didn't parents have to sign permission slips for that? Apparently <laughs> they didn't care much about permission slips anyway. Mr. Poppy just kind of was fast and loose with the whole permission slip thing. <laughs> but I mean, the fact that Paul still turned up, it, it you know, it wasn't like trying to keep the kids back. It was like, okay, fine, I suppose we'll go. Uh, do after you, the argument. I mean, I wonder if it was a little bit of Mr. Poppy's going to take them anyway. They're going to follow them. There should at least be a mildly competent adult there. Mind you... I mean, not in person. When I was 10, in school sex ed, we had to watch a video of a baby being born. When you were 10? When I was 10, yeah. Wow. Brutal. <laughs> I mean, they gave you the opportunity to look away, but yeah, that was that was quite disturbing. Yeah. 
I that's uh that's that's early. Really. Yeah. <laughs> Alright, so you have to tell me I haven't did I miss the, the chocolate scene yet? No, okay, we were that's actually one I just definitely want to talk about. Yeah, he's they've just been invited. Um then we've got first we've got a flashback to Paul's proposal, which is sad. Oh, which oh. never got <laughs> to happen. Yeah. Does it? It never really explains why she was so unhappy there, does it? I so it's only conveyed through meaningful looks, but I got the impression that Gordon Shakespeare had been uh, whispering in her ear that she could do better than Paul. She could do more than just being, uh, you know, producing school nativity plays. She should. She had dreams. She should go to L.A. She could do better than Paul. You can do now, better. Their relationship reminds me of Craig and Sophie from Doctor Who's The Lodger. I think it's quite a similar... Now, but they was, were together. Was Gordon yeah, well, interested in Jennifer? I think that's heavily implied, isn't it? I, well, I just don't know because if he's so interested in getting her to leave, it, yeah, it that, takes away from that. That's what I thought at the beginning, and then by the end, I sort of wondered if it was more of just he was intensely jealous of anything Paul had, and so it was less about getting Jennifer for himself and more about Paul not having Jennifer. I saw it as a, if she she can't be with me, she can't be with anyone, or at least not that he could see, and he sort of dissociated himself there. I, I don't know. Um... I can't believe we're theorizing about an improvised film. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's improvised. It leaves so much room for interpretation. Um, I, I, what I'm intrigued as to how much like was planned in the scenes where it is just like the adults. Like, do they have a script for those moments? Is what I'm wondering. I don't know. There's another sitcom here in the UK. I don't know if that's come across uh, to say it's called Outnumbered. Is anyone aware of Outnumbered? Nope, that's a new one. It's essentially, it's two parents and three kids. And it's just about, like, it being manic around the house and everything. And there are a few seasons of that, and that's pretty good. It stars one of the actors who's in the fourth Nativity film. So, no, it's it's good to know that he's getting work. I feel like I might have missed seeing Nativity 4 in the cinema now. Like, it came out a couple of weeks ago. I don't think it's going to last much longer. <laughs> now, do you, real, do you really think you missed anything? <laughs> oh, surely it's got to stay till Christmas, right? Maybe. We have a thing here called Kids Club. So, like, after a film's been in cinema for a while, if it's a kid's film, like, you end up just paying, like, £2 to go in and see it, like, before they close it off. They'll probably go in Kids Club in, like, January. Just when everyone wants to go club. watch a Christmas movie. I'm pretty sure I saw Nativity 3 in Kids Club in January. Um, It was odd. But I enjoyed that (laughs) film then. I didn't enjoy it as much when I watched it this year. Over the course of a week, I watched like all three Nativity films um, this year. And then when we planned to do this, I watched the first one again. There was a, uh, a reviewer, a critic, who said that he watched this in March. And he admitted, like, I think maybe the the Christmas spirit is needed for this movie. He's like, it's enjoyable <laughs> enough, but I think that would have, like, taken it back to the top for me. <laughs> he said, I watched it in March, and it was close to Easter, so I guess that helped, but... 
In terms of critics, who on earth has a critic come to see a school play? Is that a thing? Uh, I I was going to ask if that was a thing in England. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's a thing here. Not that I'm aware of. Because that, like, you're criticising, like, kids. <laughs> well, it just goes back to uh, there's uh, not a ton happening in Coventry. They've got to talk about the annual Christmas nativity plays. But I mean, like, we were in, we didn't have, like, a review in the school paper, but, like, our school productions in secondary school just get, like, a photo and a notification to say, like, these are happening. Like, I remember we did, uh, we did High School Musical last year, which was fun. Now, I can see a, yeah. uh, uh, high school, a high school musical getting a review, <laughs> uh, because those are paid for and, and you might want to see, you know, have, other schools coming or whatever to see it if they're oh, interested. Oh yeah, even just even just random people will just come over and see a high school show. Right. But not an not like elementary school or infant school, primary school. Right. Show because I mean that's that's kind of creepy. <laughs> and then we've got um, Gordon's figuring out how to make a better show, which confused me a bit because didn't he just do a show? He, he, like, he's yeah. he's all about the one-upsmanship though. He really can't let anybody get a leg on him. So once he heard this show was was going to be big and have Hollywood, he's like, well, I'm going to make a show that's going to blow it out of the water regardless. Um, Gordon is in Nativity 2 and Nativity 3 as well, so he's a recurring character. Um, he's not as present in the other films, but he's there. Um, we then get the parent conference, which I quite like. But also, like, the idea that some of the parents, like, assume a lot of things about it and the questions that they're sort of asking. Oh yeah, like, like do does I need our to get kid an agent? <laughs> yeah, it's like... <laughs> it's, it seems stupid. Yeah, this is a... I mean, they went overboard with it a little bit, but this is a classic case of, you know, the, the card getting way before the horse. <laughs> I love the campiness of it, though. I, the parents are just so camp, and I, I love that. And then the kids make a video for Jennifer, which is that really emotional, actually. a little odd for me. Like, if I were Jennifer receiving that, I'd be like, did he really put these kids up to this? Like, I would have that, that weird kind of, oh, my gosh, he made these kids do this? This is kind of <laughs> creepy. <laughs> yeah. It's, there are really two sides to it. Um, and the actress who plays Jennifer, I know from Extras. I don't know if anyone has anyone seen Extras. At all? No. No. That's a really good show. It's Ricky Gervais and Stephen Merchant. What they did after The Office, and it's essentially Ricky Gervais plays uh, an extra on a film set, and like each episode, he's doing a different film. And like series one had like Sam L. Jackson, Robert De Niro, Kate Winslet, and they all just like oh, wow. appear for an episode. Um. So the, the guests they get are great, and obviously being a British show, we've only got like 13 episodes. <laughs> Spaced um, over 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like that about our shows, though, that, they, that like, we get short and less often. They stretch out. So what do you guys watch in between? That's what I want to know. Reruns? <laughs> 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 but I... I, I um, my favourite... British sitcom is a show called Not Going Out and that's um, I don't know how to pitch it actually it's just like a guy in, in, a, in his flatmate and he had a crush on her for a while but then they've like updated it and 
they flashed forward seven years between like two series, which isn't how long between that. It was like seven years later, and then they're suddenly married with kids, and it's like I don't know what's happening now. <laughs> it seems a bit. I, I I watch the ones and I enjoy them, but I, I much prefer the old ones when they're in the flat. And it introduced me to one of my favourite comedians, a guy called Tim Vine, and that was good. But yeah, we get that quite. Well, we get like six episodes a year, and so. That that's fun, but I just don't like the fact they they've stopped releasing it on DVD. So I I got into it as series nine was airing, and I bought series one to seven on DVD. But I've seen none of series eight, and that's really bugging me. <laughs> I mean, we have a channel here called Dave, which okay, which just re-airs a load of old shows. So it'll come up on there at some point. I mean, we have a show called Mock the Week, where it's literally like comedians discussing politics, and that airs on Dave like five years after that episode. Is aired and it's like these 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 aren't current affairs anymore. <laughs> yeah, well, political jokes don't <laughs> seem to have a, a large shelf life. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, not going to last a long time, unless it's about Ross it's Perot. V- <laughs> yeah, it's a very very funny show actually, having just stand-up comedians talking politics and like, we'll play games and stuff. All right, so can we talk about the chocolate scene? I'm really dying to. Oh, we really cool. just, um, Thomas is going to have a... Yes, that's the, next, that's the next note on here, so let's talk about the chocolate scene. I think I looked away from the screen for like half a second, and the next time I looked back, she was covered in chocolate and giving him a hug. <laughs> so, is, is, that, is that why there was that thing in the chat yes. yesterday? Yes. <laughs> like, where did the chocolate come from? <laughs> Yeah, she's like dipping the, she's like, she's like doing the chocolate fountain right, and then she just is like, I want this chocolate, and starts basically shoveling in her mouth with her hands, and then she turns around and goes to give uh, Paul a hug or a, you know, a, a, an endearing touch, and she just slathers his face in chocolate. That reminds me of a great moment from The Vicar of Dibley. Uh, I've talked about that a lot today. Growing <laughs> up um, from Vicar Dibley, wherein um, like it's her birthday, and someone's bought her like a massive chocolate fountain, and she just walks right into it, like it's it's massive. And she just walks into the chocolate oh, fountain geez. and just starts grabbing. It, it's so hard to watch. And then it's like, oh, and the other present is I brought the bishop around to meet you, and she's just standing there covered in chocolate. Oh wow. <laughs> So there was yeah. one other inconsistency that I I may have missed from, from this is a little earlier. What happened with the dog? Because I remember him getting like reprimanded in the school for something about the dog. It was it was Jennifer's parents, wasn't it? And I think yeah, Mr. I Poppy really had. Confused by that. Well, I'm Mr. Poppy sorry. got there beforehand, and you know how Mr. Poppy can't communicate anything clearly. So I I think maybe. Because Mr. Poppy has never met Crackers, so I think he was maybe telling a story about the dog and got it confused and said something about, I mean, maybe he had a conversation with Paul and he thought Paul told him, was telling him a story about Crackers, but he thought that the dog, he was saying the dog blew up like a Christmas cracker, and then Jennifer's parents. Well, what, I, <laughs> I what I got from it, what I got from it, and I've seen it a few times, but I'm still not certain on this was I feel like Cracker was a gift from Jennifer at some point. And it was a dog that they both had. And I think, like, uh, Mr. Poffy had the idea that Jennifer would would come back if the dog had died. Oh. And I think that's what happened. Okay. Gotcha. 
So that I can buy makes that. Okay. <laughs> possibly more sense than my story. But I like that story. <laughs> I, I thought I was paying good attention, like but then there were just things I like apparently missed somehow. That's how a lot of British comedies work. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's that's always a good one. I think this is actually a really odd thing. This is the first British film that I've reviewed on this show. Which I hadn't realised at all until like I was planning this, and I suddenly like I haven't, as a British person, I haven't done any British films. <laughs> I've done, I've done The Shining, The Naked Gun, A Futile and Stupid Gesture, Pretty in Pink, Exodus, Gods and Kings, the, and this is Spinal Tap. So, it's, so as a British podcaster, this is <laughs> a step into British comedy. Nice. Um. Then the cathedral offer the ruins um, to do the show, which I quite like. Okay, that's very, very nice, but it's a terrible venue for a children's nativity play because children cannot project their voices to fill up all of that open space with that open sky. But it is a so lovely one setting. That, one thing that got me was everyone talking, were, were the parents as they were going in later on, and when they're making the comments, oh, wow, and it's like... It's massive. Surely you realised it when you were considerably further away. And like they're making all the comments about it as they step in, and it's like, did you not see it? That... Could they not have gotten like some folding chairs donated from somewhere so the people could yeah. sit? That was another thing. But I, I like the fact that it's consistent in like who's playing the parents and who's playing the kids and everything. Because it'd be so easy to just swap actors every now and again, and but they didn't, and each like. Each, each person was like a character, even if they only had a couple of lines. Right. Which I think is good. I mean, it must have taken ages to film, with like in terms of how long you're allowed to record with kids. Oh, I can only like, imagine. I think yeah. I think it's only like three to four hours a day you can record or something. And they've also got to have their education and everything. Like, I, I was wondering if it's actually just the kids from that school. Was what was in my mind whether they just like went to the school and had some kids so possibly but I think they'd have to bring in a little bit of talent you gotta have some ringers <laughs> yeah and then we've got uh, a rehearsal montage and then Paul travels to Hollywood to meet Jennifer oh, oh this was so brutal children. yeah it was uh, it was that was an uncomfortable uh, set, set of scenes to watch because, I mean, on multiple layers. For one, you find out that the kids were basically kidnapped. Um, secondly, <laughs> the way he tries to utilize the kids to, to convince the the director, and it just fails utterly. And then you've got Jennifer, who's apparently been lying to everybody about the job she's doing there the whole time. Or did... Well, I did. I actually almost took it as um, Paul told himself that she had gone off to become a great producer because it helped. Uh, it put a little balm on him, on her leaving him. Yeah, that she would. That. And then when he found out that she was a secretary, it was crushing that she would leave him to be a secretary, which she could very easily be in Coventry. Right. Yeah, like, in, in my mind, she maybe wanted to be a producer, 
And then when she said, I'm going to Hollywood, they assumed that was to be a producer. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't think she lied because she, because she seemed quite open about the fact that she was the secretary there. It was just, what? I'm a secretary. It wasn't, it, yeah. like, trying to... It is what it is. <laughs> what did you guys think of the receptionist guy? <laughs> <laughs> just the um, most British. He, One he's... thing I noticed, though, twice, um, both times I, I watched it, um, was the fact that while the scene is going on, he is continuing to take the phone calls in the background, which I quite like. Oh, I really liked how easily he, he slipped into phone conversations, even when he yeah. was talking directly to yeah. him. <laughs> and, and the other guy's like, oh, I guess he's not talking to me anymore. <laughs> well, can I just talk about how often in British comedy a story revolves around someone lying and then trying to cover up that lie? Like, the sitcom that I love not going out, every episode is, like, Lee lies and he has to get himself out of a lie he's told or something. And it's like, it, it works, but it's like, when you realise what a formula that is... Yeah, it's a formula to create stakes and drama without actually having to create stakes and drama. Yeah, it's one often used in, in American TV, too, where yeah. we need a conflict. Well, let's just have these two characters not actually talk to each other and figure this out. <laughs> Well, it started with a small line because they won't actually just say, hey, this is what's going on. It causes all these problems. Also, um, then, the human condition. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then Jennifer declines, and and then afterwards she tries to arrange it with her boss. And it seems so quick between the two of, no, I'm definitely not coming, and then her trying to arrange it. Well, I, I, I got the feeling that once he showed up, she really did want to go, but she was not joking that she couldn't just take the time off because she was a secretary and didn't have that kind of last-minute request off, right. you know, to get to uh, England. She didn't and have does, that kind of power. It does reinforce that with how basically she gets pooped on a little by her boss afterwards, like, no, you do all this stuff. That's your job. <laughs> you don't I pay you to do treatment. that. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what you're here for. That's she, not like you're going above and beyond. Well, and I like how she went. I, I like how she received that that uh, that comment. She's like, "Yeah, I know, but if <laughs> in the off chance it worked, I was gonna try it." Right. Yeah, and then um, Paul is to be fired after Christmas. Like the fact that they, keep, I know it's the whole nativity thing, but the fact that they decide to keep a guy who kidnapped the children on until after the nativity play. Right. A bit. You're in trouble, but uh, this is a very, very bad thing you did, but not so bad that we'll sack you immediately. We well, are going to sack you. You know that's coming. That's her own self-interest coming into it, though. She wants this big send-off for her last nativity and her last, her last show there. She wants something to leave high on. Oh, so she's her... willing to overlook it for until this this thing's actually done, at least. And then eventually he'll get sacked and replaced by David Tennant. Um, <laughs> the, the scene... And I think what the, the, the headmistress, I think she, if I remember correctly, is replaced by Celia Emery, I think. I'm going to check. Well, while you're looking that up, the scene where she has cancelled the nativity and um, she sends them all out of her office and then she sits down and sobs, it's just like, it's too real. It, that was that was too real for me. It just felt so very much like I have had to make a decision that is 
going to uh, pop pop this dream balloon I had for so very long. It was so close, and I had to let it go for higher reasons. And what is my life? Right. Or even just the part, what is my life? <laughs> oh no, it's not Celia Emery. I swear she was in one of the films. But yeah, the other thing is, yeah, once she cancels the play, but he's. He's still teaching in the school, isn't it? Weird. So like, why would they keep him on? Because it's too challenging to find a new teacher that close to the winter holiday. Like, it's such a weird that they just didn't have any backup teachers. Yeah. Oh, oh Celia and Reason. There we go. That's where that comes in. Um, but, yeah, that, that's the that they don't have, like, any cover teachers. Because, I mean, in my primary school, we definitely had, like, a fair share of well, apparently, Coventry isn't teachers. the most popular school. It's and St. Bernadette's for, is... Uh, yeah, yeah it, it, it's known for being a bad school, so it's probably not got a whole bunch of teachers lined up to teach there. There's not enough people who can't act or teach. <laughs> exactly. Um, and then... Once my notes load up. And then um, Paul is... Oh, no, we've got that. The show's cancelled. And the show happens anyway. And... The show is really good. <laughs> it is very, very good. And I, so one of my favorite bits about the show and the way they put it on was that basically any any of the girls that wanted to play Mary got to play Mary. Mm-hmm. They Yeah, I love that. I love the change between the actors throughout the whole show, and I think that was great. Yeah, you can all be Mary and you can all be Joseph. I'm not going to choose. <laughs> the only thing that bugged me was the was the big drop in like change between um, like the the themes of the music. It's like you suddenly have like a really nice musical theatre piece, and then you have like a rap, and it's like there's no continuity in that. But for the rest of it, <laughs> what? Oh, you mean the boy band part? That was epic. I love yeah. the boy band. <laughs> I liked it, but it was like. In any other like actual musical, you wouldn't have both together. Well, but no, I do, but that's, I do like it's a it's a sort of, it's a first time uh, first time writer putting out you know writing a kids show. He's a uh, he doesn't really know what he's doing, and it's co directed by Mr. Poppy, so of course yeah. it's not so. Basically, Mr. Poppy's going to say, if you want it in, we're going to find a way to get it in there. Even if it's a death slide. I like slide. Mr. Poppy where he was like, oh, we've got to cast so-and-so because he's eye candy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen the way the girls look at him? <laughs> it's like, Mr. Poppy, he's 11. <laughs> yeah. oh, oh. I think that was in the trailer. What about the poor kid who has to sub in for the kid that's not feeling well? The girl? Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> he's yeah. like, but I'm not a girl. But you know what? He does it. How he some, just sort of says it through his lips. <laughs> and he even has a like a solo line he has to do. Yeah. But he does it, and he knew the line. That's why yep. Paul had to pick him, because he knew that he would come through. Yeah. I remember I was doing a show, and then someone quit partway through. I was doing a production of Oliver. And he only had, like, one line, but then he just quit, like, three weeks before the show, so I had to take over his line. And it... It made my voice crack every time I said that line. <laughs> like it's it's not nice when I'm doing it because it wasn't like a school show. It was like a prop like a amateur dramatics theater show, and it, it it's not good when 
I sing the line and then I hear an ah from backstage. <laughs> it's really not comforting. <laughs> <laughs> of somebody covering their ears backstage like, no. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I really like how the show turned out um, on this. Like, if it wasn't near Christmas and I wasn't trying to save money, I would have bought the soundtrack. <laughs> <laughs> I would was... love to... Oh, I would Go watch ahead, just this, just the musical performance. Right. Yeah, like, with what you're saying about, like, the 120-hour cut that was said earlier, like, I'm wondering if the full performance is in there somewhere, where they did a full thing and then had to trim it down. Possibly. But I'm sure there's multiple cuts in there. Of them. No, let's try to get that one more time. And... I I wouldn't be against sitting down over a long course of time and watching everything that they filmed for this, because I think there must be some great moments that they've had to cut. Oh, I can only imagine. With them being full improv, and you do have some great comedic talent on there, like both the guy that plays Mr. Poppy and then Martin Freeman, you know, getting those two, like, actually letting go a little bit, I think would have been fun. Yeah, and I think, I think there'd be a lot of, like, corpsing from the kids, and, like, I think you'd get a lot of great improv from Bob. <laughs> <laughs> or Ben, as the shirt said. <laughs> yeah. I'm so annoyed that he's not in the uh, the fourth film. I'm not sure if he's in the third one either, actually. I'm gonna check Is this. it the same kids? Don't they get older? Yeah, that's a weird thing, that they have the same kids, definitely in the second one. I'm not sure if it's the same kids in the third one. Um, but in the fourth one, everyone's changed. Yeah, well, so many years have passed. These kids that were, even if they were, you know, eight or nine, they're adults now. That was yeah. ten years ago. Nobody wants to watch adults try and be cute. <laughs> now it's Nativity the High School Musical. <laughs> <laughs> or the college production. Right. <laughs> Oh, yeah, but more. one of the original kids could have gone to uh, theater school and have these fond memories of their uh, nativity play and then want to recreate that magic. Right, Come on, I've written teacher. Nativity 5 for you. <laughs> or at least or at least with Nativity 4, I would have liked to, if, say, like one of the previous kids is now like in secondary school or college and he's doing work experience as a cover teacher or something. Yeah. Just to have a, like a smooth continuity. Of continuity. Like what they were going to do with like Lethal Weapon, um, with Chris Rock's character, and like just let them take the lead in the sequel ones. I think that would have been nice. So I do really like that. Um, regardless of everything that happened, somehow Jennifer convinced her boss to make to fly out on a helicopter <laughs> out to this cathedral. Yeah. So they they've flown to England and then gotten that helicopter there you can't take a helicopter I, I, all the way right. from la to england right no no you can't <laughs> <laughs> yeah bob's in all those films and where do they park i think they <laughs> parked right in the middle of the, the thing in the parking lot <laughs> bob is credited as an the guy plays bob is credited as an audience member on the national movie awards and he's he was on the british chat show this morning and he's he's done a few things. Um, he's done like little bits on like children's TV and stuff. Uh, but what interests me is the fact that Cracker the Dog has got their own IMDb page. <laughs> oh jeez, I um, did not see that. Cracker the Dog, for once you've got a dog under the same name. Like that always 
confuses me, like, in, in films, why they don't just, like, keep the dog's real name. Like, when you adapt it from a book, it makes sense, but other times when they just change the name of the animal, I don't get why. Because it must be confusing. Unless it's a, not a name that the that fits the story. Like, I don't know, my dog's name is Oswin. She couldn't, you can't really use that in a movie. It's not a, it's not a name that people would associate with a dog. It's not like a cute dog name. It's like a, her name is Oswald? No. Now, in fairness, Cracker the Dog's IMDb page is just this movie, so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It would be really funny Cracker the Dog was like the one who made the biggest break from this <laughs> <laughs> I think it's fair to say that would be probably like Martin Freeman. Yeah. Cracker the Dog should be the star of Nativity 4. <laughs> <laughs> There's your continuity. Have Cracker back. Mind you, I would not want it to end up like the third Look Who's Talking film. Right. In my mind, that ruined the Look Who's Talking franchise when they decided to just make the pets talk as well. It was like, uh, don't like it anymore. I forgot that was even a thing. Okay, for a moment. <laughs> I do think the um, the love thing between Jennifer and him happens a little suddenly. Yeah. Like the whole okay, I'm back, we're back. This is a thing now. I'm sorry I left. Like all is well. What happened to what happened to like Harrison or whoever it was that she was? Wasn't there yeah, the, a guy where that she was, was the guy that was in yeah. the in the. Um, scene with all three of them with the yeah, guy the in the background talking on the yeah. phone. <laughs> and it is it is a bit odd where it's like, yeah, it's my ex-boyfriend who I haven't seen in five years and he wants us to take a helicopter to go and see a children's school play. <laughs> this sounds legit, right? And it doesn't cover up the lie because Hollywood aren't making a movie out of the play. They're just there. Right. Um, Although that producer like, guy really liked does, it. <laughs> yeah, what does that presence there really mean to do with anything well but the lie had been exposed by that point so it was like i mean but hollywood did still come so there was a chance for one of the kids to get discovered right um that's true and so but to on the relationship aspect i do i think it was maybe a little bit jennifer has been wanting to come home she's been in la for five years she's still a secretary she is not happy with that but she is too she has too much pride to move home and have everyone know she spent five years there and was just a secretary and also and so, she got that video that she's probably watched 50 times well yeah and the but, voicemail uh, but now she knows she's got an excuse to come back home and it's and she's wanting to, she's wanted to come back home so now she's got this excuse and so she's uh the slightest gesture from paul is enough the thing, the thing with the voicemail is a bit odd, actually, way earlier on, with the fact that he just says "love you," and like he he does surely he has like some level where if he didn't want to say it, he wouldn't say it. Like I know he's Mr. Poppy's signalling for him to do it, but surely there's some yeah, he definitely wanted to say it. <laughs> and it, it and it does also seem a bit odd. Like, what are you doing here? Why are you in my house? And it's like, well, wouldn't that be like I a think major that was concern? Poppy's whole character was there to bring out parts of, of him that he wouldn't do himself to get him out of his shell. So. Also, one thing, are we to assume that Poppy has experience in, like, dramatics and whatnot? Because he, he's had, like, 
he is like, or make sure you all do a poo and a wee before the show. I, I learned from experience as if I, I like, think his experience shows, or is that just nativities? Yeah. <laughs> He's spent, uh, he just repeated the grades so many times that he has done a lot of grade school nativity plays. Yeah. Well, that's that's not a thing in the UK. Like even if we fail, <laughs> we can't go back. Right. Oh, you don't uh, get to re- you don't repeat the grade? No, you, there's no repeating at all. No. So what what if you what happens if you fail then? I think you can retake a lot of like GCSE stuff in college, but that's about it. Wow. So we do get this last forlorn look from Gordon, seeing Jennifer and him back together again. He almost has this yeah. look like, oh, it was all for nothing. I, I wasted all that time because they're back together regardless. Paul did. Yeah, Paul I'm... is a big dope. He lied. He made everything up. He, yeah, he is the worst, and yet he still is allowed to win, and this is unfair. And he gets the girl. <laughs> it's like we were saying earlier, like in another film, he's the one that we're not rooting for. Like he's the one we want to fail, but in this, we w- we want him to have Hollywood come, and we want have this. But yeah, I, I wonder how much later the second film came on to the first one. I'm gonna check that. I'm trying to think when I discovered 2012. I feel like they've just um, the first one was in 2009, years. and the second was in 2012. And I'm shocked that it was 2014 when the third one came out, because that feels really recent to me. It's yeah. four years. I I can't believe how long. And now, this year, we get Nativity Rocks. Um. So now it's time for the segment we have of film retitling. If you had to retitle this film, what would you call it? Oh. Read and let's see. Uh. My mind is going, my improv skills have slacked. Uh. <laughs> oh, gosh. Um. Ho- Hollywood and er. Um, Coventry in Hollywood or something like that. Hollywood and Coventry. <laughs> mm. yeah. Coventry goes to Hollywood. <laughs> Crackers the dog in... <laughs> <laughs> or Mr. Paul Mr. ruins everything. Mr. Poppy's wild ride. Something like that. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's definitely could do something with Mr. Poppy's something. Yeah, he's definitely a central character, and if he he moves on to the sequels, so. Yeah, until Nativity Rocks, where we have Mr. Poppy's brother, Mr. Poppy. <laughs> yeah, I think something along something with Mr. Poppy in there would would probably be the best fitting one. It could be like the earnest thing, Liz, like Mr. Poppy saves Nativity or saves Christmas. <laughs> He becomes the, the the English version version of Ernest. Mr. Poppy abducts some children and saves the day. Right. <laughs> He's done some good things though, actually, the actor who plays Mr. Poppy. Oh, I forgot he was in the Bad Education movie. Is Bad Education anything that's come over to the States at all? 
I don't think so. I'm looking up Mark Wooten right now to see if I recognize him from anything. There's a TV series called Mark Wooten Exposed. Well, apparently he was in La La Land. Oh, really? But that looks like a different La La Land. This is not the same one. Yeah. It's like a TV series, I think. 2010. La La Land is a mockumentary about three wannabes seeking fame and fortune in Los Angeles. I definitely don't recognize him from any of this. Hey, uh, uh, sorry to break in. Uh... I don't know if your listeners will remember, he uh, was on the show for a little bit, uh, Jonathan. He has a contribution to the What Would You Rename This movie, and he has uh, British Tots Sing Lots and Lord of the Sings. (laughs) Uh, Kidnapping. This time we go to America. (laughs) Nice. Yeah, I feel like now I suppose it's a good time for us to all plug our stuff um, before more tangents go <laughs> yeah I've, Two got, hours. I've got a going <laughs> so where can our listeners find you me um, well as I mentioned before I previously hosted the never ending minute with Tierney Steele we covered the never ending story one minute at a time which is really fantastic and I'm really looking forward to Near in the near future, covering the Kick-Ass movies. In the and then what's next? Nativity Minute? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that yet. I don't know if this stand up well to a, a minute-by-minute breakdown, especially with it all being improv. <laughs> um, I do also have a actual play D&D podcast that I'm producing called um, Crit Storm Cast. So if anybody is interested in Dungeons & Dragons, we're playing that as well, and that should be out in January. And listeners can find me at uh, on the Mean Girls Minute podcast, where we talk about the movie Mean Girls one minute at a time. And you should follow us on Twitter at Mean Girls Minute, because th- we will be finished with that movie in January, and who knows what's coming next? I don't, but that's the place <laughs> to find out when I do. Uh, can one of you guys plug Jonathan and Brad? Jonathan does Minute Impossible, which is also a movie, Movies by Minutes podcast. They have finished doing the first Mission Impossible movie, Minute by Minute. And I think right about the time Mean Girls Minute is ending, you can look forward to Mission Impossible 2, the Woo movie. Uh, that season's starting to air. And mm. I think their Twitter is... Min Im- at Min Impossible, so yeah. you can stay up to date that way. And then Brad Mendenhall runs the Cosmic Geppetto podcast, which is a kind of pop culture um, podcast talking about all kinds of stuff. And he also previously did Minute of Darkness, where he broke down the Army of Darkness movie, and also Flash Gordon Minute. So if you have any interest in those movies, check those out in his Cosmic Geppetto podcast. It's pretty fantastic. He does a wide array of stuff there. Yeah, so it's definitely an easier... uh, Outside of, like, movie by minute, you've got... It's more of a show where you can just hop in and hop out, dependent each episode. Yeah. Which is always good. And the listeners can find me on Twitter at Llama underscore Bottle Zero. Uh, You can find... They can find my 
short films on YouTube at Bottle Ed Productions. This show is on Facebook, please be seated, or on Twitter, if you excuse the pun, at please be tweeted. <laughs> nice. So I, th- I suppose it's time to wrap up here. It's been, it's been great speaking to you guys. Um, definitely very tangent heavy. <laughs> welcome, as, to, as expected, welcome to the world so of podcasting. We live on tangents. Yeah, I, I remember the first episode of this show I recorded being quite surprised that it turned out longer than the length of the film, but obviously your one's definitely a lot more longer than the <laughs> yeah. film. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's been great to speak to you all, and I hope our listeners check out your stuff. It's been it's been fun to have instead of having sort of one guest to have several podcasters, people who have experience in the film podcasting world. Instead of people who are professionals in the world of movie making, (laughs) we'll have on some bums that talk about movies on a microphone. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me, Luke. This was really cool. Thanks for letting us uh, slip in and slip out as needed. (laughs) Thank you for introducing me to this movie because I do, I did, I did really enjoy it. Uh, of all, I definitely did say the, need to say the same because I watched this last night and I really, really enjoyed it. It's sort of become a Christmas tradition for me. Uh, I can see why. Good. All of them. I seem to find out whether Nativity rocks. George Lucas. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get it on DVD when it comes into the charity shop I work at. I there you go. So yeah. All right, thank you all for listening and goodbye. All right, goodbye, everybody.